G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. On a Tuesday, we do like to check in with Ron Ross, who has been scouring the headlines overnight to bring us breaking news as it's coming out of Israel and the broader Middle East. Ron Ross, back with us. Ron, welcome back to 2020. Good morning, Neil. Ron, let's start with the headline, a joint Israel-UAE mission rescued dozens of Afghan women and human rights activists from Kabul. What's the story here? Their international efforts to rescue vulnerable Afghans after the country's takeover by the Taliban included the first ever joint aid mission between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. The operation brought 41 Kabul Afghans, including human rights activists, and members of the girls' cycling and robotic teams across Afghanistan's northern border into Tajikistan before flying them to the United Arab Emirates. Yodam Palitza, CEO of the Israel NGO Israel described rescue as harrowing efforts to gather the passengers from a capital city suddenly under Taliban rule. The issue was they had to collect them from hiding, he told the outlet, The rescuers had to do rounds around the city in alleys to pick up these people and try not to create any suspicious movement. Those flown out of the country included a well-known singer and 19 members of the cycling team and three robotic team members, as well as female rights activists and a number of relatives. I might tell you in full detail, their adventure was quite harrowing. Well, and look, just a few years ago, it wouldn't have even been possible, would it, to have a joint Israel-UAE mission like that? So there's significant things that have happened over these past few years. Yes, the uh, relationship between Israel and the Arab world right now is quite amazing and attributable, of course, to the policies of the Trump administration. Now, another story that impacts on this idea as well, as we mentioned last week, of course, the crisis in Afghanistan has immediate and long-term impact for Israel and the Palestinians. That's not quite as as smooth going. Yeah, there's a report from the Bagan Sadat Center for Strategic Studies by the retired Lieutenant Colonel Dr. Shel Batal, and he wrote this report in May 2000, Following massive pressure from left-wing organizations and after failing to reach an agreement with Syria and Hezbollah, Prime Minister Ehud Barak ordered the hasty withdrawal of the IDF from South Lebanon. Israel's local ally, the South Lebanese Army, the establishment and maintenance of which had cost over millions and millions of dollars, collapsed and was unable to hold out against Hezbollah. 18 years of Israeli military presence ended in a frightened and confused retreat. These events greatly influenced the head of the PLO and the Palestinian Authority, Yasser Arafat, as well as other Palestinian terror organizations, who saw it as confirmation of the resistance view that only a determined armed struggle, that is terrorism, could lead to achievements against Israel. Barak had no chance of reaching an agreement with Arafat, 
and the July 2000 Camp David conference mediated by President Clinton ended in a shambles. It was followed two months later by the eruption of a four-year-long war of terror, euphemized as the Al-Aqsa Intifada. The lessons of the Lebanon flight were perfectly clear to the Palestinian terror organization. And from that particular incident, terror has continued to flow with activities against Israel. And he says, if Israel wants to survive, it must recognize Hamas's aspirations and strengthen its West Bank towns and villages. They are the main factor that can prevent an eventual humiliating withdrawal along the lines of those in Lebanon and Afghanistan. Well, tensions and conflict likely to be ongoing. Hey, Ron, the Gatestone Institute has issued a stern warning entitled A Hinge Moment of History. What's this headline about? Uh, This report was prepared by Mark Stein and published over the weekend. And, Neil, it highlights the importance of Christian media. He wrote, we're living in a blizzard of lies. We're more dependent on a handful of woke billionaires to tell us what reality is. They are far more open than ever that they get to determine what the agreed facts are. Google made an explicit announcement about this recently. They said that they sometimes would permit warnings on things that are factually accurate, because even though they are true, they do not think it's in society's interest for people to know it. Now you'll be banned or deleted or blocked or silenced, simply for disagreeing with the official version of events. For example, the Great Barrington Declaration, which was written by three of the most prominent epidemiologists in the world from Harvard, Oxford and Stanford, that was basically deleted from YouTube and banned from Facebook simply because it contradicted the World Health Organization official version of events. It's just a groupthink enforced by a cabal of woke billionaires who have more power than anyone else on the planet. The other thing that emerged during the year very quickly is that we're at a hinge moment of history. We were told a generation or two back that by doing trade with China, China would become more like us. Instead, on issues such as free speech, we are becoming more like China. Well, speaking of trade, a story along those lines where the United Arab Emirates, the UAE, see a trillion dollars in trade with Israel over the next decade. What's this one about? Yeah, we have 600 to 700 million dollars of bilateral trade happening. We have funds of billions of dollars that have been announced jointly between our two countries. We're moving into so many areas of economic opportunities. The United Arab Emirates Minister of Economy Abdullah Bentouk said, we are looking to create over a trillion dollars of economic activity over the next decade. Talking at a public event marking the one-year anniversary of the normalization of ties between Israel and the UAE, Bentouk said that the Gulf power has signed over 60 memorandums of understanding with the Jewish state. The UAE and Bahrain last year agreed to formalize their diplomatic ties with Israel under the so-called Abraham's Accord, broken with the help of the Trump administration. One of the investments cited by Bentuk was the $1 billion stake in an Israeli gas field by Abu Dhabi's Mubadala Petroleum. The UAE also sees renewable energy opportunities in Israel, as well as investments coming from a recently signed agreement on food and agri-technologies. 
And let's top off our update today, Ron. Uh, This week, Jews in Israel and around the world are celebrating Sukkot, uh, which is described as a joyous holiday for all nations. Uh, I think also known as the Feast of Trumpets. What's this one all about? Yeah, I found an article written by Rabbi Arienten, and he said, if you're Jewish, this article is for you. And if you're not Jewish, this article is still for you. That's because Sukkot is a holiday for the entire world. He said most Jewish holidays are well for Jews, but Sukkot is different. The Torah tells us that we must offer 70 animal sacrifices throughout the course of Sukkot. Why so many? Our sages teach us that it's because the number 70 represents all of the different nations of the world. Every nation, Jewish or not, has a place with God and the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. As the verse says, I will bring them all, all the nations of the world, to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer, Isaiah 56, 7. But there's one thing uniquely Jewish about Sukkot, and that is the eighth and final day of the holiday. Actually, it's not really the eighth day of Sukkot, as Sukkot is a seventh-day holiday. The eighth day is actually an independent holiday known as Shemina Atzeret, even though many people insist on calling it the eighth day of Sukkot. On Shemina Atzeret, there was only one sacrifice that was offered in the temple, the sacrifice that represents the unique role of the Jewish people and the mission from God. Indeed, Shemina Atzeret is the send-off, the last holiday before a long break until the next biblical festival, Passover, which we know leads to Jesus and our celebration of Easter a one-time sacrifice for the whole world. Well, wonderful getting insights and to understand what those Old Testament feasts that are still celebrated today by the Jewish people have meaning for the whole world, as you say, but especially as we understand those things as Christians. Ron Ross, always so good getting your update. Thanks so much for sharing these insights with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.